I confess to a pet peeve that I don't like the word creative as a noun, as is she's a creative or he's a creative. It just sounds a little pretentious to me, but I love these events. Charlotte is creative and creative morning, Charlotte. And I've hung out with those people and I always bump into people that I know and un, you know, surprising things develop. And I know that, um, I know that Matt Olin is a big mover and shaker and I know his wife, Sarah. And then I have in the last year met Matt's sister, Jen Olin LaFontaine, and these are all connectors and super connectors and great people to know. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be as crass as business. I mean, f- forming really relationships, not transactional, who can you refer to me? It's just I always learn so much. I always get so much out of it. And that's the case today. That's how I know I knew uh, or met Jen Olin LaFontaine through this Grab Life by the Gold Squad. But she, there's so much to her. And she is so networked. And I don't like that word either. But, I mean, she is she's a powerful connector and a powerful woman. And I think you'll enjoy hearing from her. It's easy to follow the money, the flashing uh, dollar sign that might be coming your way, but I choose to have a better work-family balance. This is In Her Words, a podcast from manlisting.com, featuring one man listening to the stories of real women in their own words. In Her Words, a conversation worth hearing, because every woman deserves to be heard. Hello there, I'm Stuart Watson, and this is In Her Words, the podcast, my ongoing experiment in learning to listen. In this week's episode, you'll hear that our guest says something, and then I kind of relate to her, and she says something else, and you may not like that. You may not, that may not work for you because it doesn't always like follow her. Some of it is, well, this is your experience. This is my experience with that. I don't know. I don't know. It's an experiment. I thought it went okay. Um, but Jen Olin LaFontaine is just a very creative person, but she's also a very organized person and very focused on business, on being an entrepreneur, which is one of the bravest things you can do. And, um, she had me when she talked about a death binder. You have to stick around to hear from this, <laughs> which absolutely fascinates me. And I think, as a practical matter, is a good thing to have. Jen Olin LaFontaine. Where were you born? I was born in Oneida, New York, where they make the, the silver. The silver That's near Syracuse. That's yep. where, where my wife is from, and she has some of the silver that she inherited from her mother. Nice. Yes. Um, very cold, a lot of snow, not as much as Buffalo, but we. I moved when I was very young. I was a year old when we moved away from up north. Where did you move to? Well, my dad was in the food brokerage business, so we moved quite a bit when I was young, Um we moved down to Florida first, uh, and then sort of situated ourselves in the Carolinas. We were in Charlotte, and then Raleigh, and then back to Charlotte. So moved around a little bit until I was in like first grade, and then we settled here for the rest of childhood. For your mother, your number what of how many? I'm number three. However, my brothers are twins. They're five five minutes apart from each other. Oh, who's who's the older? Who's the older twin? Yeah. Matt is the older twin, I believe. However, I do know two things. One, my mom did not know she was having twins when she was in labor. Yikes. And Matt took all the food in the womb and Mike had to stay in the hospital for another week because he was almost two pounds underweight, so... And has Mike ever let Matt forget that? No, none of us have. It's like 
made him into this selfish whatever. And does, <laughs> does he act like the big brother? Huh. That's an interesting question. I would say when they were younger, Mike, well, no, they're so protective of each other. They're identical. It's, it's crazy. I don't think one necessarily acts like a bigger brother, at least when I've been alive. It may have happened when they were younger, but I'm eight years younger than they are. So I wasn't around for the first eight years, but any experience I've had for them, they are, they are overly protective of each other. And they have this really cool sink where when one of them's having a bad day, the other one just knows and they call each other out of the blue. Even though Matt is here and where is. Mike lives in Pennington, New Jersey. He works at Princeton. Um, so he is up that way. Smart guy. Yeah. He's a, uh, one of the associate deans at one of the schools. So he's a, uh, he's been a part of academia for most of his professional career and I don't think we'll ever get him down here unless he got a dean position at UNC uh, Chapel Hill. That would be probably the only way we'd get him down here. Wow. And so he's more academic and your brother, Matt, is like the creative. So what is Jen? Ah, <laughs> that's a good question. Um, I, I, I'm still trying to... I have to figure that out. Say I'm a really great combination of the both of them. What I'll tell you is that when I was growing up, you know, I had these two older brothers. They were really well known because they're twins, right? So they kind of stick out even through school. And one was always into sports. So Mike was into, more into sports and Matt was always on the creative side and more of the class clown really kind of stuck out that way. And so I wanted to do both. Uh, which really split my time. As a matter of fact, I remember having many conversations with my parents about, you're going to have to choose. You can't play on the volleyball team and be in the school musical. Like you, you won't have any time to study. So you're going to have to pick here. So I kind of went with the route of, you know, basketball and then musical theater. Uh, I definitely wouldn't say I'm on the academia side of things. I'm much more of a creative brain um, and then I take after my mom. I'm type A, planner. Things are, you know, I's are dotted, T's are crossed. So um, I think I'm a little bit of a good combination of all of them. Organizer. Yes. Have lists. Are you a list maker? Yes. And you know what my favorite thing is? I love to make a list. Every single morning, I love to make a list. And my favorite thing to do is to cross things off that list. I saw this great quote one time that was like, it's not your to-do list, it's your ta-da list. So every time you cross something off, you go. So I'm definitely <laughs> a list person. All right. Your calendar, you showed me your list and it's on paper, written in pen and ink in your own handwriting. And you use a highlighter. Okay. okay. So your calendar when you plan this interview um is it electronic pen and paper or both it is um it's electronic i i definitely have my google calendar set up especially because when i'm on the move if i'm going to client to client throughout the week but if i'm sitting at my desk i really like to have it on paper so i'll rewrite it in front of me so that i know what i have to get done that day for my clients personally everything else. Um, it just feels good to have it in front of me written. But when I'm out and about, I depend on my electronic calendar. Where are you with back-to-back -back appointments? You've got an appointment right after this. It is a area that I have to work on, Stuart. You've hit a um, sore spot right there. So I was told a long time ago um, from one of my bosses that you really need to put a 15-minute cushion in between meetings. Everyone has to go to the bathroom. Everybody needs to reheat their coffee. And I uh, am definitely bad about that. So it's something that I am working on, some self-work there, is to try to build more time between my calendar. But what I will say is with my new job, I'm trying to get as much done in working hours as I possibly can because I, I really want that quality time with my husband, with my kids. And so to me, I'd rather be really busy during the day and get stuff done and then have that quality time on the outside.
Well, I want to ask you about two other types of time or abuse of time. Uh, one is when I went to the creative mornings with your brother last week, and he had everybody sing happy birthday to you, which mm -hmm. was lovely. I bumped into all kinds of people, some of whom I hadn't seen in years. And there are those types of events where you just don't know who you're going to bump into, you know, and it's not that, oh, I need to check my list of, it's like, let's see who shows up. And if you're in the right community, then you just start, you know, things, molecules just bounce off each other. Um, so how do you feel about those? You know, there are people who are like, they put it in that dreaded box, social networking. Ugh, this is such a pain. I have to schmooze with these schmoes, you know, uh, schmoozing with schmoes. Um, where are you with like, what is a fun time? Oh my God, this is just fun. And this came out of it. And, and where are you with, uh, social networking when it's a drain? I think if I don't know anyone in the room, if I, that's where my nerves kick up a little bit and I tend to be quieter, you might find me a little bit more in the corner, which really isn't my personality, but I would say those are my hardest moments to be in. Having the guts to walk up into a group of people that you don't know and insert yourself into a circle is really challenging. It's something that you have to force yourself to do. I do it. Um, because once I make that connection, I just enjoy getting to know people. I enjoy asking questions. I enjoy bringing my, my personality and my energy to conversations, but it's hard. If I even know one person in the room, I can feel my entire demeanor change. I walk in much more confident. It doesn't matter that I don't know the other 358 people in the room. I know that one person. And it just kind of lights a fire under me. So uh, I'm, I don't necessarily look at it as networking. I am always looking at it as connecting. And it's an opportunity to meet new people. And like you, I, I think that's why I'm connected to you, Stuart, is that I like hearing people's story. Who are they? What do they do? And it it really just sort of drives me and my personality. So if I go into it that way, rather than, oh, I'm going into network myself and to talk about my business, then it just really changes the dynamics in the room. You told me you had a trick when you went and you knew no one. Do you remember that trick that you forced yeah. yourself to do? Well, there are lots of tricks. The one that I shared most recently is compliment someone's shoes. Yes. That's my favorite one. I If I don't know one person in the room, I will find someone who has some unique shoes, whether it's a color or style, whatever. And I'll say, I really like those shoes. What kind of shoes are they? They'll tell me. And I say, hey, I'm Jen Nolan LaFontaine. Nice to meet you. Where can I find those shoes? <laughs> but I, th I think you, even if someone has terrible shoes, you can find you can always find ways to be curious. And uh, that book that was recommended, um, The Power of Wonder, mm -hmm. is, is also the power of curiosity. Yeah. Of, um, you know, striking up a conversation in the elevator. It, it's, it's just, it's kind of a natural and it puts people at ease. Yeah. And... No, you can you can talk about anything. Anything can be an icebreaker. Part of the power of a smile. I'm sorry. Like it's people get so uh serious at networking meetings. And sometimes a nice smile or a good laughter from across the room can really break the ice too. So there's yeah. a there's a lot of power. There's a lot of power in a smile. My other type of time or usage of time is it's not so much me time as it is straight up daydreaming. Like straight up, I'm going for a walk in the woods, no earbuds, not even a cell phone, not a notepad, just staring out the window. Do you ever schedule that? Some of the big companies do that. 
They're just like, nope, this is your time to just go out and just think about whatever you think about. I do not schedule it. I don't do enough of it. I do enjoy it. And I know that it's good, not only for your brain health, but for your creativity and for not feeling as stressed. I would say my favorite time to do that is um, hiking. Um, my husband and I used to go up to Lada a lot and something that we talked about that's kind of dropped off the radar that we need to bring back in uh, to our lives because there's something about being in nature and, and hiking and we don't feel like we have to talk to each other. We could just be. So I think that's probably where I find it the most, but I definitely don't do it. I don't do it enough. And I haven't thought about scheduling it, which is interesting because I schedule movement, right? We'll call it exercise for listeners too, but like, I like to call it movement. It doesn't have to be exercise. Exercise sounds hard. Exercise sounds too strict. Yeah, could, I plan my I plan my movement. Yeah, it could just be a stroll. It doesn't have to be a power walk. Right. Exactly. Yeah. My my watch still yells at me all the time. It's time to stand up. It's time to stand up. <laughs> ah. Um. Over your shoulder, we don't do this on video, but over your shoulder, there's a sign. Looks like it had light bulbs in it. It says love. L O V E. Um. Why do you have that? What is that? What's the story behind that? I wish there was a better one. The honest truth is it was hanging in my daughter's room and she's 15 and wanted a redesign. So we took everything off the walls, repainted it. Uh, she didn't want to hang that back up. And I thought it looked really good behind me. So that's why I put it up there. <laughs> but you could have had um, but, anything. Yeah. And you'll see a lot of signs around our, our house. I'm, I'm a, I'm a huge word fan. Um, I have a whiteboard above me and I have business words that I resonate with. I have a word, I have accelerator and multiplier. Um, I have a quote, creating space for greatness. I love that quote. Um, so there are words all throughout the house. Uh, and that's just one that it resonated with me. And I thought it looked really pretty. What is What does it mean? What are your associations? Because Love is a very imprecise word, but what does it mean within the context of being over your shoulder in this environment? Well, I think that I approach life with love. So whether it's business or personal, I think there's a sense of part of my def definition of love is being genuine. And I bring, I try to bring that into every aspect of my life. So I guess that's where it would resonate with me the most and being a part of any Zoom calls that I'm on. I'm not a very strict corporate businesswoman. I bring a lot of laughter into uh, my day-to-day -day jobs and I, I want a relationship with my clients. I'm not just looking to clock in, clock out. And so I think that's where, where that word would definitely fit in. So thank you, Jen, for, you know, injecting love, which is just plain old kindness, plain old, you know, just curiosity. How are you doing? What's going on in your world? You know, getting beyond the cursory, because if you ask the third question with that, so uh, I put it this way, and I'll ask you. How are you sleeping? Uh, okay. <laughs> there was a reticence. There was a there was a pause. Why do you say that? Not great. Not not terrible. Um. Actually, it's it's the dog that's causing some problems right now, which is a serious check. Like she does not sleep with us. She sleeps in her dog bed in the room. And for some reason, um, we have created a monster who likes to be covered with a blanket. And if the blanket comes off of her at night, she will stand next to us at the bed and whine to get recovered. And so, uh, you know, breaking that habit has been a little difficult for my husband and I to get pissed. So other than that, I think I would be sleeping very well. Uh, the quick answer would be, well, don't let the dog sleep in the bedroom, right? Close the bedroom door, let the dog sleep out on the couch. Uh, but we're a little attached to this one. So 
how we gotta old get is over our dog? Uh, she's three. And um, has this always been a problem or is this kind of a recent thing? So it's a little bit more recent. She, when the kids are home, so I, I'm divorced, remarried. Uh, the kids spend one week on, one week off. So one week with her dad, one week with me. So when the kids are here, she sleeps with the kids in their bed. We don't hear a peep. She sleeps through the night. She loves cuddling with, um, you know, the kids. It's perfect. And then when the kids are at their dad's house, she sleeps on the floor in our bedroom and she's not getting the love that she gets with the kids at night. She's not getting the, oh, she's not all warm in bed with us because we <laughs> on the floor. So it's definitely a little bit more recent, but at the same time, you know, we've, we've created this monster and we have no one to blame but ourselves. So we got a puppy last week and it's downstairs yipping right now because my wife's having her hair done. And so I'm <laughs> feeling, I feel all kinds of guilt. So I feel you, you know, I yes. understand how we are with that. Yes. And, and so you've also said you started, you started today specifically, you told me with uh, some type of exercise that you've, you've gone a little, you've, you've, presented yourself with quite the challenge. Yeah. So I started, this is week four for me. I I went this morning, I think is what I was telling you. I went, but I, I started CrossFit, which I never thought in my entire life that I would do. I've always been against it. Why would you put your body through that? Mm-hmm. And one of my really dear girlfriends, she and I go to a hip hop dance class on Monday nights together. It's been a tradition. It's Myself and two two classmates that I went to um, elementary school and high school with, we go together, the three of us. And she's been doing it for about, gosh, almost three years now. And she was telling me about the most recent class. And I said, hey, can I come with you just as a, a guest? I just want to try it out. You know, we have so much fun moving our bodies together that I thought, why not find another excuse throughout the week to do it? And I went and I am a sucker for group classes and... And also just kind of challenging yourself. Good music in the background does so much. And I really enjoyed going the first time and decided to sign up and give it a good try for at least a month. But I can anticipate it going much further because I'm really having a good time with it. Now, I am the probably the weakest in the class right now. You should have seen me trying to do my push-ups this morning. It was it was ter- it was a disgrace. 90 seconds of push-ups. I couldn't even make it through 90 seconds of push-ups. But um, I'll get there. It's only week four, right? But you got to keep practicing. It'll make us stronger. <laughs> now, I am such a self-conscious white guy with dancing. How do you get over the self-consciousness when you're in a group exercise or group dancing kind of thing? Well, if you were to ask me what music I, or what, sorry, what movement I like the most, it, it would be dancing. So it doesn't matter if it's in the living room, in the backyard, with my husband, with the kids, I've danced um, for most of my adult life. Um, I didn't really take it up as a kid at all, other, other than probably a year or two of just regular ballet classes that your your mom sends you to. Um, but I found it here in town with this group of girls that I was talking about. And it's a excuse to connect each week because we have busy lives with our own husbands and family and everything else. You get to listen to wonderful music and a lot of times more modern music that you're not necessarily um, listening to on the radio on a day-to-day basis. And you just have fun with it. I think you have to find a group of people that uh, it's all about moving your body and it's not about doing the moves correctly. And this group that I'm with now, um, it's called the Jam Charlotte, and it is every shape, size, color, gender, there's no one alike in that room. Uh, and it just feels good to be around all different walks of life and people and everyone moves their body differently. And I don't know, you just kind of get in your zone. Music comes on, I get in my zone. I love it. I love it. Where did you go to high school? Charlotte Catholic here in town. And do you go to mass? Are you Catholic? I am. I think I heard you reference in your interview this last week i'm adjacent <laughs> jesus adjacent i heard jesus that word I, re- I heard that word no i do not actively go to to church so if you got struck by lightning today 
uh, where would they have the uh, the memorial? Oh, that's a great question. And you know what? It's a topic that we talked about a whole lot with our best friends on what you want that to look like. And man, do I want to dance class at my memorial? Like I, there's got to be some absolutely, it's got to be a celebration. I know people are going to be sad, but it's got to be a celebration. It's got to have the food. My favorite type of food's got to be there. I want my favorite wine served. There's got to be great music playing. I want a lot of laughter. Um, so I could have a backyard memorial for all I care. I just want people to celebrate life. Put me on the guest list right now. I want to. Okay. I want to know okay. about this thing when it happens a hundred years from now. Um, when the lightning bolt comes a hundred years from now, I want to come to that. I told my kids this last weekend. Um, there's this stupid, stupid song. It's an earworm. It gets in your ear. Uh, it's the Venga Bus. Have you heard it? I know that song. I don't want Amazing Grace. I want the Venga Bus, which I started calling the Jenga Bus. And they started laughing. They were like, Dad, what is it? Jenga blocks? It's the <laughs> Venga Bus with a V as in Victor. And I'm like, no, it's the Jenga Bus. Is and they're like, Dad, no, you can't even get the lyrics right. And you want this at your funeral? So I will tell you, you've hit a passion of mine, and that is people actually preparing for what that looks like for their children so that their children don't have to take on and make those decisions. You know, I've my up until now, my entire professional career has been in the senior living industry for helping older adults. And I kid you not, my parents have a death binder. I know exactly where it is. They update it once a year. They actually take a trip down to the beach. And on Friday night, they update the death binder. How do you find all their financials? Who do you contact first? Where are the keys located? You know, what type of music do I want at my funeral? Where am I going to be buried? Am I going to be cremated? And they update it once a year. I know where it is. And God forbid, it's going to happen at some point, right? It's our some of our worst fears. But when that happens... I'm not going to be the one that has to make all those decisions. I just have to make sure that their wishes are, are fulfilled, which just is such a gift that you can give your children. It's there such is a, gift. a There is a book. My parents did it for me. It was the, one of the greatest gifts they ever gave. They had the hymns. They had the church. They had the, you know, do you, is it cremated or do you want a burial? Whatever. I'm like, this was awesome. But I'll tell you, and this fascinates me because I lost a cousin. And my cousin, Ken Martin, worked in the funeral home industry briefly. And he had become kind of estranged from his sister, from a lot of people. So when he died, despite having worked in a funeral home, there was no funeral and there was an obituary for a while. And the obituary was very brief and cursory. And so I want to tell you, Jen, my cousin and I, my cousin mainly, his sister, is having later on in, in this month a, a little get-together in our hometown. It's a way of like genuinely allowing people to get together. It's something that you're doing for everybody to get together and remember this person because it's like there's something missing if we don't do that. Yeah. Yeah, we did a recent Zoom call with um, my parents, uh, my brothers and I, because we're all kind of different places, just to kind of get an update. Who's the financial power of attorney? Who's the secondary health power of attorney? And that way, there's no questions. Everybody's on the same wavelength. And then you go about your lives. But it's done. You know it's planned. And it is. I absolutely, absolutely look at it as a gift that you're giving your children. And if nothing else, my parents didn't want us to fight. And most families want to, you know, just like accommodate everybody. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's just kind of ingrained in me now just because we've been working in the field for, for so long that how important it is. Because I've seen more terrible things happen to tear families apart. That's just devastating. What did you do in senior living? Your parents were in this industry. What, what, what was your role? Yeah, uh, my parents owned a home care agency here in Charlotte for 10 years. 
Um, and I probably did every role in that business other than be an actual nurse, uh, but ultimately ended up being kind of the in office manager, uh, managing about 12 internal staff members. We had a hundred when we sold, we had 125 certified nursing assistants and caregivers working in the industry, uh, in the field and about a hundred clients. Uh, so we, it, it was a, it was a 10 year journey for my family and I. What did you learn about how to be there for your parents as they grow older from working in the industry? I learned that no matter how much experience you have in the industry, it's never going to make it easier when you're dealing with your own parents. It's still unexpected. You can tell yourself a thousand times that it's coming, but it's still unexpected. I think that, you know, it gives you a little bit more confidence to know that that planning is done, but it is emotionally hard, hurts your heart. <laughs> um, and that's the stuff that really matters. Uh, you know, we, you have, you can build yourself all the resources in the, in the world around you, but, um, you know, seeing your parents get older is just a heaviness that you really can't explain to anyone until they're living it. But there are certain conversations that you can have early on and that you can have very intentional conversations. For instance, when dad doesn't need to drive anymore, when it's a safety to the general public, that's a hard conversation. We had it. My mother made it easy because she gave us their car. And he complained about it, but I was like, we needed that car and you don't. So, boom. You know, so you can complain as much as you want, but it kind of sh shortcut that. Yeah, we did the same thing with my grandmother. I'll always remember they, the car, the car went into the shop and it never came out. It was too expensive to fix. <laughs> my My parents were putting two they're twins through, you know, college and we just couldn't put the money in to fix. And, and how could my grandmother ever complain about that? She wanted the best for her grandchildren. So I, I know a guy who his father would sit in the assisted living center and complain about, I don't have my car. And he had his car keys, but they parked his car out the window where he could see it. And he goes, yes, you do, dad. It's right there. Now, if he had ever tried to start that up, they had disconnected the spark plugs. Yep, I've but, heard that too. <laughs> but it shortcut the conversation. And so what kind of conversation, since your parents worked in home health care, did they have about preparing for when they needed like in-home care versus uh, assisted living versus skilled nursing? Yeah, I mean, we've talked about it a lot and it... it I think it's more about the preparation aspect of like my parents did a great job of getting long-term healthcare insurance. They got probably one of the best policies that are out there. They don't exist anymore. It's like an unlimited long-term care insurance. It's crazy. Um, and so I think you, you're right. It's just been a lot of open conversation of would the goal be that we'd want to stay in the home for as long as possible? Yes, absolutely. You know, most people want to stay in their home for as long as possible. So if we can have aides coming in to help with it, that's great. But they've done their due diligence of also touring the different facilities in Charlotte so that if it does come to that and they need to choose to go in to get some more assistance to make sure that they are taken care of, it gives you the, the opportunity to have those conversations to make sure that you're normalizing the conversation and able to have it more often. Right. That it's not going to be some kind of big charged tense discussion. Right. Exactly. Now, are your parents both still with us? Yes. Oh, what a blessing. Yes. They were at creative mornings last week. They don't miss it. They have not missed a creative mornings ever. Do they dance? Yes. I was brought up in a family that had music playing all the time. Do you remember the, the, the there was a phase where they had the big laser discs? Mm -hmm. 
my parents had all of the laser discs of their favorite artists, right? So we would, you know, listen to Rod Stewart and, you know, Beatles and everything else and see them up on a live concert on stage in the living room while we were dancing. They'd have their best friends over. And those were the parties that we grew up in. Is music was always playing in the background. We always ended the the night on the dance floor, even if it was just moving furniture in the living room and using the living room as a as a as a dance floor. So um, lots of music and a lot of dancing, for sure. What music was most influential to you that you look back on it and you were like, that was formative. This piece of music, this artist changed my life. Do you want to know what came to mind first? There's so much that it's hard to. <laughs> Gloria Estevan. Because I think that you can see that I, I could always see the joy in her face and the way that she moved her body was just so freeing. It was so light and so freeing. And so, you know, she has the ability, like so many others, to sing and move her body without losing breath or at least giving the impression that she's losing her breath. And for me, I just always remember doing the conga line around the living room or whatever it was and just embracing that. So I think that allowed me to understand that it doesn't really matter how you move your body. If you're having fun and moving your body and has a lightness to it, it just it can be fun. It can be joyful. Music or musical piece that is most fun for you to like dance to, to cut loose. Oh, now? Yeah. Probably Lizzo. <laughs> <laughs> For short and sweet, and uh, they uh, they got a good beat. You can always dance to it. Um, I will. I, I ride the Peloton bike, too. I actually don't own a Peloton bike, but I own a bike, and I subscribe to the Peloton. And I will purposely go for playlists that bring me the most joy and have the most kind of upbeat, fun sound to it because it makes the movement or the exercise we'll say just not feel like a lot of time time flies by when you're having fun do you have a go-to playlist i create my own i like a little bit of everything um my Can favorite I find artist, it on spotify or you got it hidden i should probably have it hidden but i can share it with you afterwards okay. and i make a new one i make a new one all the time like i have this year i have my my 2023 playlist is going um and i got a lot of things my daughter is 15 so i'm, I'm finding some new musicians and artists through her too but my favorite artist of all time is not necessarily a dancing artist um it is sarah Bareilles. i'm a huge sarah Bareilles song singer songwriters fit right into my pocket as well and um I uh, I can't wait till she tours again because I would really really love to see her. In person. I listened to an interview with her recently, and it was just absolutely fascinating. And to hear about her um, insecurities, vulnerabilities, I was very moved that this is a this is not someone imitating a human being. <laughs> this is a fully formed human being. Yeah. Yeah, we, um, you know, one of our pastimes, something that we do at dinner with as a family um, here in town, whenever we get the extended family together, we uh, bring conversation cards, which I know sounds could be could be very lame. But our age groups and our family span from 11 to 70, almost 74. And to go around the room and we did it for our birthdays on Sunday night. The most recent one was, hey, if you're going to be shipped off to a deserted island all by yourself, what's one artist, one album that you would bring with you? And so to go around the room from an 11-year-old to a 74-year-old and listen to their answers is always fun. We have a really good laugh. Um, now, so what's your, what's your daughter say? The gorillas. Mm. Okay. The gorillas. Yeah. I don't know. This She's got fans. She and my husband have the best um, span of artists and songs that they listen to. It's um, all across the board. So always learning something new. Why did you leave the home health care, the family biz? 
The family biz, um, because my parents were going through some health problems at the time and they gave my brother and I the opportunity to take over the business. But anyone who has ever been in home care knows that it is a 24-7 around the clock business. And we were not a franchise. We were privately owned business. So if Cindy called out at 2 a.m. on a 24-7 case because she wasn't feeling well, if we couldn't get an aide to go in there, family member went. There were many times that I sat with clients that we had and I had two young kids at home and it just was not something that I wanted to tackle um, on my own. And my brother definitely didn't. (laughs) He was itching to get back to New York and get his creative juices going. And so we, you know, got it ready for, for sale and we sold it. And I stayed within the senior living industry for several, several years um, after that, uh, because it's what I knew and uh, always on the operations side of things. So what are you doing now, Jen Olin LaFontaine? Well, last September, I did the scariest thing I've ever done. And that is I left my full-time position to start my own company. Um, It has been a whirlwind of fun and jitters and sleepless nights and very sleep a lot of sleeping nights all the way through as well uh just from tiredness but i uh started my own business which uh is as a fractional coo and i am helping multiple companies right now six with their internal operations um three of them are within the senior living industry it's my comfort zone and where my experiences my passion and three are not which is uh, exhilarating and fun and I get to learn something new and interact with new amazing individuals who are unicorns in their own industries and be able to help them with back-end work and really helping to build sustainable companies so that they can grow. That's amazing. You have to have a particular gift for organization to be able to do that. And a passion for it because otherwise you just wouldn't like what you did every day. <laughs> Now, how do you balance motherhood with that? Great question. I think I'm doing a better job now than I've ever done. Um, being able to really work with my clients and do my own schedule. Um, and then carving out that time that you're spending with your kids individually or together. We do a great job on the weekend. Um, so you know, at nights, sometimes it gets difficult, you know, they're coming and going. I, I got 11 and a 15 year old. We got something every night of the week. There's never a quiet, a quiet night. Um, but I, I think I'm doing, I intentionally went after this owning my own company because I wanted to be able to have more control over that family time. Um, and I just like hanging out with them. They're cool kids. So. Well, entrepreneurship is not for the faint of heart. Uh, how did you decide to say no when you could have brought on more and more and more clients, which means more money, but it also means you you don't own your life. All of a sudden, you're working for everyone else all hours of the day. I still don't know if I made the right decision. I think it's going back to why I decided to do this, really. Um, It's easy to follow the money that flashing dollar sign that might be coming your way, but I choose to have a better work family balance. It's never going to be perfect. It's something you always have to work at. But to me, honestly, it's reflecting on my 15 year old right now, because every time I bring it up to my husband, he tells me to stop talking about it, but she's only got three years left before she could do whatever she wants to do, go to college or travel the world. So, and honestly, less than that, because she gets her driver's license within a year. So we're probably going to see her less. We are going to see her less in a year when she can drive herself places. Sitting side by side in the car with your teenager is the best advice I could give any parent. You're not looking at them in the eye. You can ask them questions. The conversations are amazing. I don't know if someone shared it with me. I'm sorry if 
you're listening and you did, and I'm not giving you credit for it, but I, we have found a groove of sitting side by side in the car and just being, uh, allowing the conversation to flow. And I'm really going to miss those school drives or, you know, picking them up from something and really being able to hear about their day. So when she gets her license, when, and when my son finally does, we're going to have to be a lot more intentional about making that space and making that time to continue those conversations. Why'd you decide to be a mom? I don't know. <laughs> so, this kind of seemed know, like the I, thing to do at the time or? <laughs> honestly, it sounds terrible, but yeah. I mean, I was brought up on, I was brought up that you, you, you date, you don't live together first, you get married, you have kids, you have a stable career, you try to stay at home at least part-time as a mom if you can. Like that was what I saw. And that's what I went for. Uh, and I'm not, that's not to say that I wouldn't change any, I'm, you know, I wouldn't change what I have. I, I love what I have, but I don't think I have a good reason why I had kids. I was more of going in the motions and not really making my own choice decision at that point of like, oh, this is what, this is what's supposed to happen next. Okay. This is what's supposed to happen next. Um, at the time, that's my, that's my real answer. Well, that, you know, that works. There's not a wrong answer. You know? Especially for the, especially for the second. Cause I was like the the first was hard enough. I don't know if I can do two. <laughs> yeah. But it, it's also, sometimes it's easier, you know, with each success Definitely. as someone who had four. Uh, I'm going to honor your time and give you a little bit of breather. Uh, but I, I want to ask you my, uh, Last question that I ask everybody, if we got struck by lightning today and the only thing that survived was this little piece of digital audio, what is your legacy? Yeah, I've been thinking about this, Stuart, because I've been listening to the podcast and I've been having a really hard time with this question. The thing that came to my mind first when I thought about it was I really don't care what anybody else in the world Thanks. I want my children to be proud of me. That's it. Don't you think they're proud of you right now? Yeah, I do. And we all do a good job of telling each other that. So that makes me feel good. But that is honestly what I what I want to do. That's that's where I want to sit. What are you most proud of your mom? Oh, gosh, her strength. Um, she battled pancreatic cancer in the last two years and did a, a, a 10 month chemo process that I have. She's a strong, strong woman. She's a strong woman. She's a warrior. She's our mama bear. Matt calls her our mama bear. We did. What is your spirit animal? My mom's a bear. So, uh, she's going to, protect her young and she's gonna um she's gonna fight so what would your children say if i talk to them away from you about what they're most proud of about you a great question i really would go back to what we talked about in the beginning of the podcast and i think it's i think it's my kindness because i to my own fault, want to do for others more than I want to do for me. It brings me joy, makes me feel good to do things for others and to listen to others and to help others and to connect others and to give guidance. And so I think, I think they would say my kindness. Was it the Dalai Lama who said my religion is kindness? Um, you, you know, Lots of people say love, and it means different things because we hear tough love or whatever. But everyone knows kindness, unsolicited kindness. And kindness a lot of times costs you something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If nothing other than time. And yeah. so I very much admire that. Well, and I will tell you that um, whenever my kids bring their test home from school or their report card home from school and they say oh i got a hundred oh i got an a whatever it is my ex-husband my husband my ex-husband's wife and i always say 
That's, this is great. Congratulations. Were you kind today? Did you do something for someone who needed something? That is the important thing. Were you a kind person? A, A's be damned. Were you kind? Yeah. It's how you do it. Yes. It's how you do it. Jen Olin LaFontaine, thank you for making time for me. This was fun. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Now, what I really should have done is ask Jen and all my guests to recommend other guests. But if you want to shoot me an email, um, might get to me the quickest at Stu, S-T-U, at VoiceLocket, V-O-I-C-E-L-O-C-K-E-T. That's my business, VoiceLocket.com, on which I help lots of people tell their stories. You heard her refer to telling stories. Stories tell us. They, they really are. Stories tell us who we are in the world. Um, thanks for listening, guys. And Jen, thank you so very, very much. In Her Words is a production of the Queen City Podcast Network in cooperation with Balto Creative Media. Allison Andrews at Andrews Creative, Rachel Clapp Miller and Roshonda Pratt are developmental producers. Sally Higgins at Higgins and Owens tries to keep us legal. Our music is A Day at the Park by the group Pictures of the Floating World. Your announcer is Katherine Smith. That's me. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and take a moment to rate and review. It really helps others find us. If you love us, go to our Patreon page at patreon.com. Look for Man Listening. One word, no spaces. A small investment makes a big difference in lifting up the voices of women. A huge shout out and thank you to everyone who has supported me in this venture from the very beginning. From manlistening.com to in her words, the podcast, the voice locket, the books, the podcast, the video business, the being a media mogul. Thank you so very much. Thank you for your support. We believe one voice can change the conversation. Thanks so much. <laughs> <laughs>